Here's a special announcement for everybody in Massachusetts here in the United States, um, more specifically in the Lowell area. Um, if you are looking for some additional one-on-one training or some additional team training, if you are a player, a parent of a player, and you're looking for additional training, I've got just the person for you. Go to a footballer training. That's right. Go to Instagram, and it's at footballer training. That's at F-U-T-B-A-L-R-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G, footballer training, all right, on Instagram, and DM Michelle there. Um, she'll take good care of you. She's a very good coach, and she is training players from the ground up, so send her a DM uh, for further information. Again, that's at footballer training at F-U-T-B-A-L-R-T-R-A-I-N-G. I-N-G, footballer training. DM Michelle for more details. And if you're not in that area, but you have a field or a facility that she can travel to, she's willing to talk. So send her a DM again. That's at footballer training. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 51 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and there's no beating around the bush this week. We know what we're here to talk about this week. Only one thing on our minds, that's right. It is the Clásico and the return of the Video Aporto. Artur Suarez Dias, the man of the match, and the Estadio do Ladrão earns its name once again, or at least shows why it got its name. It's not to say that Benfica played perfect or even played well, but um, <laughs> after watching this game again, okay, if I if I had done this show after watching the game the first time, you would hear a much different tone in my voice. All right, you would have heard a much different tone in my voice. Uh, there's a lot of things. The first time around that I didn't really realize because I was caught up in the match and I was watching it. I was actually watching it on my phone because I was at my niece's birthday party. I was at my sister's house and there always seems to be a birthday <laughs> for one of the kids in the family when there's a big match. And here we are again. But this time I, I'm, you know, I'm on my phone watching the game with no sound, no audio. I missed half of what was happening. I was distracted. People are talking, asking me questions, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, um... And uh, I was quite quite angry with uh, the performance, but um, after watching it a second time, really watching it through, man, this was this was worse than the Tasa de Liga semifinal. This was a highway robbery of of epic proportions. I mean, the the level to which intimidation and aggressiveness and violent play, literally violent play from our rival was used to eke out 
a 3-2 result. They eked out a win. Despite of how poorly we played, despite of how the team was compromised, uh, despite of how I don't think the manager got the selection right, okay, despite all that, they were barely able to hold on for 90 minutes. They had a gift of a goal from a corrupt referee, a referee who was <laughs> extremely intimidated, no doubt, coming into the city seeing a blow-up doll of a referee hanging from a bridge. Blow up doll of a Benfica player hanging from a bridge like we're in the 19, I don't know, 1890s, you know. This ridiculous, this backwards mentality of the fans of that club. Barbaric fans of that club. Every single one of those damn fans. It goes to all of you because you all take part in this. You can see the camera as the, the players are coming out and everyone's hurling insults. Everyone's got their middle fingers up in front of little kids. You know, teaching their little kids to do that crap. Yeah, I have no respect for that club. Or at least not for the fans of that club. Not for the structure of that club. Alright. There was a clear, clear game plan to come in and to disrupt. And to be physical. And to beyond physical. They There's playing physical. And then there's that. Closed fists. Punch, punches to the face. Nothing. Referee looks the other way. Referee looks the other way. Our goalie gets hit with objects thrown from the stands. Take a yellow card, Odie. You shouldn't have been in the way. And then they want to laugh and they want to surround the referee and they want to complain that's, that you know the referee was on our side. They want to say that Tarapt should have been sent out. Tarapt was knocked out. He was punch drunk the whole game. You idiots knocked him out with the swinging back fist right in the beginning. Marega got him. There was no accident there. Don't tell me that's an accident. That's not an accident. That was intentional. He saw the opportunity. He came around, got him with the forearm right in the mouth, knocked him out. Go look at the pictures yourself. The guy's, the guy's out in the air. He comes back, too, from hitting the ground. You know, I'm watching the game the first time and thinking to myself, man, where, where is Tarapt? This is the Tarapt everybody wants, you know, and everybody calls for. And, you know, um, I'm ready to, to just write him off, okay? I'm ready to write him off the first time I'm watching it because I missed that part where he was freaking knocked unconscious by Marega. Don't tell me that was an accident. I'm not stupid. None of us are stupid. When you carry yourselves the way that club does and you bring us a a culture of intimidation, a culture of violence into the football field, to the football pitch, no, I'm not going to believe that that was unintentional. There's no reason to believe that that's unintentional. And then right before the penalty, the, the, the play that gets the penalty kick called, that gets idiot Suarez Diaz to go look at it, was it a closed fist punch to the face from Pep to, to Tarapt? Same Tarapt. Hit in the face again. Yeah, Benfica didn't play well. We'll get into that. They, they, they improved as the game went on. But they were never allowed to start playing. Yellow cards for nothing in the beginning. While, while Marega, Tikinu Suarez, the little runt. Otavio, get away with everything. They get yellow cards for talking, but they get away with every single dirty tackle that they that they go after. Every single time. Swatish cleans out Odie, no card. Alex Telge completely takes out Andre Almeida. Puts a shoulder right into the side of his head, no card. 
not even going to get into Otavio. The only thing he got a, a yellow card for was picking up the ball before taking a free kick when he got away with six fouls. Six dangerous fouls. The guy's a, the guy's a scrub. I wish somebody would step on his neck and give him another neck tack too. Oh, this team pisses me off. We're going to get into the game, everybody. All right, we do have some news um, aside from that. And I'm going to get through this as level-headed as I can. Um, but um, not all is negative. Carlos Vinicius has two goals, okay? Uh, Rafa had himself a decent game. He had an assist, and then he had the cross on the first goal that went for the... Uh, that ended up you know, being headed on goal and the rebound being put home by Carlos Vinicius. Um, but we got some, we got some issues in the team too. Okay. I'm, it's not all about the referee. There are some serious issues in this team and, um, we're going to talk about Ferro obviously, and we're going to talk about that penalty. We can't get around. It can't get around the refereeing as much as I, I started this, this podcast to get away from talking about referees. There's no way to get around it in this match. All right. There is absolutely no way to get around it. Okay, we're going to talk about Bruno Lage deciding to keep Servi on the bench. Um, clearly a mistake in hindsight, but even at the time I, w- I was nervous. I'm going to talk about some other things. Uh, anyone who read my preview over at MrBenfica.com last week, um, boy, was I pissed off. To, literally, like, minutes after I posted that comes the announcement that Gabriel wasn't going to play. I did say that... I did say that... Uh, Ticatito versus Chervi was going to be the the key matchup. And, well, Chervi didn't play, and Ticatito did what he wanted. Um, I also said Marega and, and Ferru was the other key matchup. And you all saw how that played out. And, unfortunately, my fears came true in that in that one. Um, Gabriel, once Gabriel was out, and then I read that Suarez was the referee, I knew we were in for 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 a disaster, to be honest with you. Um, there was no way that... Benfica even playing perfect, I think, would have... They would have found a way to rob us in this game. Okay? They're, it's just... It's so obvious. Okay? Another instance of of minutes of rolling VVAR on our goal. That's clear as can be. Okay? You can see he's onside. There, you don't need to go to the VAR. You don't need to invent a five-centimeter distance line again like you do, you do all the time. You don't need to. That's there to justify wasting time and killing momentum uh, looking at that. Because anybody, a blind man can see Pep's leg keeps him onside. And we'll talk about Pep, too, as Mefica uh, seem to have their way with him. He, he is just a sad old shadow of himself. He uh, misses a clear, clear chance in the beginning, and then he is responsible for Benfica's two goals. Let's let's be honest; it is what it is. Just like he was last year, <laughs> just like he was last year. You know, he was lucky this time that the referee bailed him out with a BS penalty kick. Okay, that there that's not a penalty kick in any other pitch in any other country in the world. That's not a penalty kick. Okay, that's a clear push from Tikini Suarez. The only reason Fahu's arm is there to hit the ball is because he was pushed while he was in the air. What is he supposed to do? That's an involuntary movement. Not to mention his back is to the goal. That's not handling the ball. Okay? Had there not been a push, I could have lived with it because I'll say that in this age of VAR, if it hits the hand, it's a handball. I've said that and I'll stand by that. But there was a foul that caused that to happen. All right, so let's get um, let's pay a bill real quick. 
let's let's uh, listen to Reconquista, and on the other side, we'll be in the news. This is episode 51 of Mr. Benfica. I am the host, Mike Agustinho, and of course, don't forget to find me on Twitter at Benfica Mister, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica, and lastly at the new MrBenfica.com. Go ahead back, read my preview, see what you think, see uh, see how, how it played out to how the game actually went. All right, we'll be right back with the news. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo and in the news this week, we start off with women's football. Benfica winning once again. 5-0 victory at home over Istoril. Goals by Darlene. She had a hat-trick and two goals from Chloe Lacasse, the Canadian. Benfica, top of the table now. Top of the league, 100% record. 42 points from 14 matches. Three points ahead of Sporting, ahead of next week's derby. And Chloe is now the league's leading goal scorer. She has been, but Chloe leads the league with 20 goals through 14 matches, while Darlene is second with 17. Basketball has been eliminated, or men's basketball, I should say, has been eliminated from FIBA Europe Cup after losing 88-75 last week to Danish champions Bakken Bears on the road, and that was the Eagles' third straight loss, a three-game losing streak, um, the longest of this season and the longest in, in quite some time. Um, really frustrating game. I watched this one, and I... Let me tell you, I I was beyond pissed off with uh, <laughs> with with everything about this game. I mean, uh, the shots didn't fall. The Benfica kind of stopped shooting when they needed to. 
They weren't falling, but towards the end of the game, as they were starting to mount a comeback, they stopped shooting, and they start trying to work the ball inside. I don't know what Carlos Lisboa is doing in this game. Um, I have a lot of questions about his squad rotation. He he over-rotates the squad, over-rotates the player. Um, you know, he he's dispersed. He's dividing up the minutes too much, and he's not running enough with his best five. And I think that cost him, not just in this game, but in the Spartan game before that, and in the game before that against Mehdi Beirut. And now Benfica are out of FIBA Europe Cup, and I think this was a wasted opportunity because this team is talented enough to still be in that competition, to be in the quarterfinals. But they did bounce back in the league in the LPB on Saturday with a 75-52 win over Ilya Boom. Men's futsal loses 2-0 on the road at the Pavilion João Rocha to Sporting and it drops our boys to second place in the Liga Placard now and it's just it was the beginning of uh, it was just a bad weekend uh, for in general for results at Benfica is as Starting, if you want to go all the way back to uh, that basketball game on last Wednesday night, um, it it was just a, it's just things are not falling the club's way right now in some of these sports, but in other sports things are going all right as uh, women's futsal does continue victorious. They win th- six to three at Quinta dos Lobos. Men's hockey wins four to two against Tigres, and the women. Um, the women's hockey team ties 2-2 in the EuroLeague against Voltrega, and that is enough to punch their ticket to the EuroLeague Final Four. Um, so the Benfica lady hockey team ready to uh, fight for another European title, and hopefully they bring that home. Men's volleyball advances to the semifinals of the Taça de Portugal, the Portuguese Cup, winning in straight sets as they usually do domestically this time. Three sets to none, of course, over Font Bastardo, the Azorian side. And men's handball with the historic um, 33-24 win in the first round, in the first uh, group phase of the EHF Cup. That is the equivalent, I guess, to the Europa League in handball. Um, they beat Danish side Silkensborg 33-24 on the road. So a good result for Benfica in handball. All right, so let's get into the Liga Nage now and go around the league for round number 20. It starts off Friday, February the 7th. It was Passos Ferreira at home losing 1-0. So Passos Ferreira 0, Boa Vista 1. We go to Saturday, Bolinis Sad, a.k.a. Code City, 0, Santa Clara 2 Family Cone starting almost 11 different starters. They basically put an entire different team on the field as they're resting up for their cup match with Benfica, their second leg this coming week, as they put everything they could into the first leg. And they clearly um, they clearly prioritized that over trying to get into third and fourth place as they, like I said, start basically 11, uh, 11 subs. And pay the price, losing 7-0 at home to Vitória Guimarães. Sporting Braga, led by Ruben Amorim, dropped their first points under Ruben Amorim. It's Sporting Braga 2, Gil Vicente 2 at the Pedreira. And, of course, the match at the Estádio do Ladrão that we're going to talk about. Um, And that's how the stadium got its name, Porto 3, or Puerto, as I like to call them. 3, Benfica 2. On Sunday, Morerense 1, Vitória Stubal 1, 
Tondela nil, Marítimo nil, Sporting Lisboa 2, Portimonense 1, and Sportivo das Aves nil, Rio Ave 4. Alright, that's the news this week. So uh, let's get right in uh, to this disaster, right into the controversy. Let's get right into the robbery at the Ladrão here on Mr. Benfica. Se sentiu que faltou algo ao meio campo hoje do Benfica, para, principalmente na primeira parte, para segurar o ataque do futebol com o do Porto? Não, 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 não faltou ninguém. Está a falar de quem? Do Gabriel? Não, estava a perguntar se faltava mais um elemento talvez no meio campo ou, apenas, ou até mais intensidade nos dois homens do meio campo hoje do Benfica. Dois homens do meio campo. Quantos homens é que a gente teve hoje no meio campo? No, no centro do, do meio campo teve o Weigl e o Tarat. E o Chiquinho? O Chiquinho, mas vai haver. Três médios hoje. Muitos três médios. Não faltam nada, mas eu vou aproveitar a sua pergunta. É um registro. Uh, por ter nas situações de, de, de confrontos de um contra um, uh, são... são, são Vou, vou dizer agressivos, mas agressivos no bom sentido de disputar a bola, de querer ganhar a bola e de, 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 de emoção de, de querer pressionar. E nós, aquilo que fizemos, e fico, é, aquilo, é o registro que nós fizemos, que era a segunda parte da equipa personalizada, que era a forma como nós marcamos os, os, dois, os, os nossos dois gols, que era isso que nós tínhamos que fazer mais vezes e acho que fizemos mais vezes e temos que dar continuidade, continuidade ao, nosso, ao nosso trabalho. Mas eu vou aproveitar a sua pergunta para falar aqui do, do tema sobre o, sobre o Gabriel. Que é, que é o seguinte, olha, um, Gabriel uh, está tudo bem com ele, não passou o dia de hoje no hospital a fazer exames e não, teve, não ficou no, no hospital, o que dá uma forma, uma boa notícia, mas deixo aqui dois apontamentos. Um, primeiro, um, nós temos que, que perceber onde é que estamos e o que é que queremos para o, para o nosso futebol e essencialmente para a nossa sociedade. E depois do último jogo, até ao dia de hoje, fazerem-se determinados comentários sobre situações que não aconteceram, epá, é puramente ridículo. Eventualmente hoje as pessoas vão pôr a mão na consciência e tanta barbaridade que foi dita sobre o Gabriel e sobre o Gabriel com o treinador e com os colegas e vão perceber realmente o que é que se passou e se calhar vão fazer meia culpa e eventualmente numa próxima oportunidade vão ter mais calma, vão verificar realmente o que é que se passou and that was Bruno Lage in the post-game press conference when asked about the midfield. Kind of puts the uh, the journalist there on the spot a little bit. And um, well, you know, let let's talk about the preface coming into the match, right? Um, right away when I saw the starting lineup, you know. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, before kickoff. And I saw Chervi not in the 11. I was not understanding. Um, and what I think circumstances in the game didn't allow what what the manager's intention was to play out. And I didn't know what it was. I'm watching the game, you know. Um, I didn't understand that starting 11. But I think, even though I, I think and I believe deep down, the manager 
now thinks that he got it wrong. Um, I think the the way the match played out was more than enough to to justify that he got this one wrong. At least I I now have some idea what he was what he was thinking because what he said in this press conference, um, what the question posed to him was if there was something missing there and an element missing in the midfield. And at first, Bruno Lage thinks that the the question is about Gabriel, and he says, "What about Gabriel?" And and the the reporter kind of uh, backtracks a little and says, "No, no. Well, you know, you decided the two guys you put in midfield." He says, and he goes, "What two guys? Who are who who are my who were my midfielders? My center midfielders?" And and the reporter says, "Weigel and Tarapt," and then Bruno Lage quickly says, "And Shikinu." So. During the match, this wasn't evident, but um, it did play out that he had to do this, but it looks like the plan was to play with three central midfielders and a lone striker up top. So it looks like Shikinu was going to play as a central midfielder along with Weigel and with Tarapt. And I think what he was thinking of was he was trying to free up Rafa wide, Okay, and PZ wide. So he wanted to attack from both flanks. This is, I'm, listen, I'm not saying this is right. I think he got it wrong. And like I said, I'm, I'm sure he now will say that he got, or at least to himself knows that he got this one wrong. But I at least see where the thinking's coming from. Um, he wanted to attack from both flanks, it looks like. He wanted to have Rafa wide and he wanted to have PZ wide. Neither one of them defend. And it looks like the plan was to play Shikinu in midfield, which is more his natural position. Okay, that's more where he plays. And he wanted to play him next to to Weigel and Tarapt. Now, before everybody beats up on Shikinu for, for his performance in this match, keep in mind, it was his header. Okay, that forced a save from Marquezine that left a rebound for Carlos Vinicius to put in the goal. Okay, Chiquinho did bring something to this match. I agree, he was not the right choice. I think Chervi was the choice. You saw my, if you read my preview, I I clearly said that we needed Chervi on the left to stop Tecatito from going forward. Okay, I wasn't sure if Tecatito was going to play in midfield or if he was going to play as the right back. Sergio Conceição opted to put him at the right back. He moved Manafa to the bench and uh, moved Tecatito to the back. But um, there was no one there to keep him home, essentially. There was no defensive-minded or at least a, a wide midfielder that can bring that defensive mindset the way Chervi can. And I think it's it's very fair to say that the manager got this one wrong. Bruno Lage got this one wrong. Fair enough. Okay, this is a part of being a manager. Unfortunately, you got to make decisions sometimes, and sometimes you see something and you want to go after it. And unfortunately, you know this is this is a long-standing Benfica problem here. Whether it's Jorge Jesus, Rui Vitoria, or Bruno Lage, and I'm sure before Jorge Jesus it was a problem too. When it comes to playing against Porto, they try to invent instead of sticking with what's been working. Okay, for some reason he felt the need to change something, and I think the change was losing Gabriel and losing some strength in the midfield. So what he lacked in physical strength, I think he tried to make up for in numbers. Got the calculation wrong, but I think that's what he was going for. So with that said, he continues on, and after explaining that, he says to the reporter, "Since I have you here, and since you you mentioned it, let me take advantage here." And he absolutely lambasts the media, and he's and rightfully so. Ever since that match ended against Fumley Co on Tuesday, okay, 
the media has been all over the club, all over Gabriel, inventing stories that there's some kind of some kind of discontent between the player and the club, the player and the manager, the the teammates and 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 the player, and and Bruno Lage basically says, "Do you think that I'm gonna punish a player who's been so loyal and so valuable to us in a game like this?" No, he's Gabriel was in the hospital Saturday. He said he was in the hospital. He he had exams. He had examinations, and he was happy to report that Gabriel went home. He was discharged, which is good news for Benfica. This in this is the continued work of the blue press up north. Okay, they start with this crap all the time, always feeding in fake stories to try to destabilize our team, try to destabilize our players. All right, it's all a giant machine up there between the press with their stories, the borderline terrorist fan group and their and their threats visiting the referees you know training center visiting referees houses hanging blow up dolls from bridges like we said this is all part of a machine of how it works up there it's a it's absolutely a mafia okay it's been this way for 30 40 years now ever since pito de merda has been in charge of that team this is the way things have run we should have been better prepared for this, okay? That said, we should have come in more prepared, okay? We came in a little bit too lax. I think what the manager was trying to do was feel out the first 10, 15 minutes and then start to move forward. Let some of that emotion and some of that that adrenaline run out of the Port players early. Let them get a little gassed. With with you know withhold and withstand the the early the hits the the running at us the just physical play and, and wait for the game to settle down before he starts to play. I do believe if Gabriel is available, Befica play the four four two and Chervi plays next to him, plays on the left side. I think losing Gabriel, forcing him to use Tarapt in a role that's not. Listen, Tarapt has been playing well, and a lot of you are all over the Tarapt fan bus, and all that's cool, okay? Um, but. He's a defensive liability, okay? And I'm not going to hold this match against him because we'll get it. I said it, uh, you know, in the intro, and I'll we'll get back to it again. The guy was punch drunk in this game, and it's a giant failure by Befica's medical team, not the manager on that one. This is the failure by the medical team to not properly evaluate the player. And again, you know, on Befica after 90, Mario and Alex talked about this, and this is something that is clearly different on two sides of the Atlantic Ocean, okay? Here in North America, we see a head injury. Day's over. That's it, okay? Lights out. He he was out, okay? He was like a UFC fighter when he hit the ground. He was out. He came to after, and he, he got the smelling salt and came back to. He should not have continued in this match, okay? He could have done very permanent damage. In Europe, in South America... They still don't get that about 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 concussions. They don't get that CTE is a serious illness. Maybe because the the different sports we have here, the higher impact sports, you know, create more concussions and we've seen the effects now. You know, we've seen, you know, professional athletes turn into monsters as a result from these head injuries, okay? Tarapt suffered a brain injury. There is no doubt about it. He took a forearm to the mouth. That is the knockout punch on the chin. I mean, you get hit on the chin, any boxer will tell you, you're going down like a sack of potatoes, and he did. Okay? He went down. He was brought back with smelling salt. That's a bad sign. Okay? 
they I think Benfica's medical team did a bad job evaluating him because as much as you don't want to use a substitution, he really should have been brought off right there in the third minute. No coach wants to make that decision. That's what the medical team is there for. Medical staff has to put that first, player safety first, and I think they failed to do so. And in the 40-whatever, 43rd minute, he took another punch to the chin from Pep. Okay, absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous what, what Tarapt had to go through in this match. I'm not holding anything against it. He even put together a string of about 10 minutes there where he came to and he put some nice combination play together. But the thing about head injuries is, is the effects come on slowly. So as the game went on, you know, I'm sure he got foggier. There was sign, You could see images of him sitting on the bench in the second half with his coat and his hood over his eyes. His eyes are not even like... He looks like he's in outer space because... I think that was the effects of the hit to the head, and I'm very concerned and I'm very nervous if he's going to be slotted right back into the lineup. I think he needs some actual real medical attention, and he can't just be slotted back in. If something is wrong, he needs to have the proper time off so that he can heal, and this does not become a lingering thing down the road and even worse later in life. Okay, yeah, maybe we overreact. I don't think so. Okay, this is something that here in North America we do not play around with, and, and the rest of the world is very slow to catch up to the seriousness of 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 concussions, the serious of of brain injuries, and of of course CTE, the 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 condition that develops later after repeated brain injuries. Okay, we've we've seen this before in in other sports in the past. Players coming back too soon, just like he did in this match, or players getting right back into the game. And and taking continued blows to the head, um, it has a really bad lasting effects. Okay, I've had players really, I've had players have their lives, and a good friend of mine have his life completely changed from having a shot hit him on the side of the head and knock him out. Okay, um, absolutely changes life, and not for the better. This should have been dealt with. Better by Benfica's medical staff, and I'll stay here on the record that I'm going to put the responsibility on them. It's a hard, it's a hard responsibility to have, but they have to be much more uh, proficient and they have to be much more competent in in evaluating these situations. Of course, watching the game live, I didn't realize how how serious that knock was because I didn't have the sound on, like I said, and. I kept getting distracted away, and uh, you know I wasn't listening to to the the commentary, and I didn't really have a chance to see that replay. I didn't catch it. I must have looked away when I saw just how serious that hit was. Um, but let's get in to the eleven now that we have talked about that. We'll start with Porto. The Argentinian Agustin Marquesin is the goalkeeper. The right back Tecatito Corona. Pep, Annie, and Marcano are the center backs. Alex Telge is the left back. The little rat Otavio is the right midfielder with Mateusz uh, Uribe and Sergio Oliveira partnering in midfield. And Luis Diaz playing down the left. And up front we had uh, Moussa Marega and, of course, everybody's favorite uh, two-left-foot uh, <laughs> cowboy, Tiquinho Suarez. Benfica would go in the 4-4-2. We've talked about Odie in goal. The right back was Andre Almeida, Ruben, and Fer, who were the center backs with uh, Grimaldo playing uh, as the left back in midfield. So it was apparently five in midfield, or meant to be five in midfield. Weigel in the middle, Tarapt, Chiquinho, 
uh, Pizzi down the right and Rafa down the left with Vinicius as the lone striker. At least that's the way the mister says it was supposed to go. I think situations that happened, like I said in the game, with Terapt being kind of knocked for a loop so early in the match, I think broke that 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 um it broke that shape down early and you had players overcompensating all over the place also early yellow cards to guys really hurt Benfica's shape and hurt and going down early going down a goal so early also you know forced them to make other adjustments on the fly the referee of course was Artur Suarez we already talked about that we are at the Stadio Duladrão and it is a full house and let's see if the no the attendance is not listed here but it was a full house um they only show up when Befica plays just a few days earlier they had 18,000 for a weeknight game all right let's go into the match and it starts off with um a foul right off the bat in the very first minute the first minute Befica had the ball the pretty much the entire time they moved the ball around uh pretty well and Marcano would foul Pizzi right off the bat um, we would, Benfica would would have some good movement early, but then Porto would come out and and in the sixth minute it was the first dangerous play, a cross from Alex Telge headed by Pep, but he misses wide, and like I said, Pep really is becoming a sad, a sad uh shell of what he used to be. Um, he's all alone. This is a major letdown by Benfica defensively. Nobody picks him up. He's all alone in front of goal, and he just he just absolutely misses. And uh, no no real excuse there for that one. And actually, the cross had come from Mateus Uribe. Uh, in the eighth minute, an attempt is blocked as Marega has a right-footed shot from the right side of the box. That was blocked by Ferru. Um, as Corona had passed him the ball, Jesus Corona Tecatito had passed him the ball, and now we get to the the point of the first goal, and um, it starts with with Grimaldo being by himself with time, and rather than bringing the ball down and trying to play, he heads it just back into the middle where Marega is waiting. Marega puts the ball down and tries to play it in towards Tiquinho. Forcing Ruben Diaz to clear it for a throw. Some people in the stadium tweeted saying that that, that ball came off of, of Tiquinho Suarez. And it should have been a Benfica throw. Hard to tell on television. Um, but the ensuing throw would end up finding... This is going to kill me. To say, finding Otavio down the right. And Otavio absolutely makes makes Grimaldo look stupid. As he just dribbles him right, left. Crosses him up. Goes by him. Plays across. As we see Luis Diaz trying the bicycle kick. And man, I wish he had connected on the bicycle kick. Because that thing would have gone sky high. And would have been of no no threat at all. It, he unfortunately didn't even get a piece of it to deflect it. It finds its way right onto Sergio Oliveira. Who actually hits this thing with his shin. He does a, you know, he does a, a, a sidewinder. As he, a scissor kick if you will. Uh, falling. And it hits... 
He's falling back, and he's you know he 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 swings his leg at it. It hits him right in the shin guard. The replay shows it hitting him right in the shin guard. He doesn't even get all of it, and it has just the right spin on it as it hits the the ground in front of Odie. It spins just to to find its way inside of the post, kiss off the post, and go into the goal for the first of the match. And just like that, the ninth minute, Benfica already down one nil. I wasn't. Overly concerned at this point because this is this is what we've seen in the last the last three now Benfica Porto matches is them scoring early and we've come back from that you know we've come back from that before um, we had seen it in the Tasa de Liga last year we saw it in the league at the Dragon last year and we saw it unfortunately in August um, we saw Porto score first in all of those games. Um, and I was confident Benfica we're gonna we're gonna get it back and it didn't take long. It was. It wasn't long at all. It was. Let's see here. Ten minutes later, not even eight minutes later, and we get the nice cross from Rafa, header by Shikinu to the far post, going going high. Marcusine off balance is forced to make an awkward save as he's backpedaling. He gets his left paw on it. He gets his left hand on it. And Perry tries to parry it. I think he's trying to parry it either over the goal or really wide. And what he does is he leaves it right there in front of the goal. Because he's off balance, he doesn't quite have the the strength in his arm to push the ball wide. And Pep is beaten to the ball goal side by uh, Carlos Vinicius, by my cousin Vinny. And he puts it into the goal. And it's quickly 1-1. And at this point, I am feeling pretty good about this. Carlos Vinicius scores, does his trademark celebration with his arms crossed. Pep puts his hand up. The only thing his hand should be up for is that that's my guy, my fault is what he should be saying. Um, and No, he's not saying that. He thinks he's offside. Replay shows he's clearly not offside. But this incompetent refereeing squad, this incompetent VAR, Tiago Martins is his name, sit there for three plus minutes looking at something that's so obvious. An hour before this game kicked off, I'm watching Dortmund and I'm watching Leverkusen. Okay, a much closer offside. They they get it figured out in 15 to 20 seconds. 15 to 20 seconds, the Germans can figure this out. Why do the Portuguese referees need three minutes for something so obvious? Why? I'll tell you why. Because it destroys the momentum Benfica are building. It slows down the game. This league wanted this game to go the way it did. Okay, and. It, it's it's been said by journalists in in the post game shows, and it's and, oh this is out of fresh. This is fresh air to the league. Life has been breathed into the league. Yeah, but you know what? It's not legitimate. Yeah, we have a race now because the referee has single handedly affected the result. No, Befica did not play a game that they deserve to win, but. On second watch, they didn't deserve to lose either. They did enough to earn a draw. Okay? Because that goal was invented, and we'll get to it. But it just shows here how it takes so long for them to come up with this. When we go to the VAR again in about 20 minutes, it it takes no time at all. Amazing. And they don't even see everything that goes on. Okay? They only look at one image. It's it's time that these these VAR conversations need to be public. This needs to be audible to everybody, like it is in rugby. Okay, we need to hear what the referee and the video assistant referee are saying to each other, because this is this is blown corruption to a whole new level. Okay, this league is so bad and so rotten when it comes to this. 
I can't even imagine if there hadn't been VAR. But, I mean, they, they, they're looking for anything to influence the result of the match. Finally, after three and a half minutes or so, the goal is allowed, and we're back to playing. And we, so in that, in that um, series of events, also I missed it. Third minute again was the the knockout blow. The rever- <laughs> it really was a swinging back fist. If you watch the UFC mixed martial arts, it's a swinging back fist where Marega uses his momentum and swings his arm back. He, he cocks his fist and throws his arm back. Don't tell me it's an accident. You can see it in the video. His fist is fully cocked, and his arm is swinging back at full force. And with the middle of his forearm, he catches Adel Terapt right on the chin. It's a knockout blow. There's no question. Terapt was down, again, for several minutes. And, you know, it, it goes unpunished. It, it It's ridiculous. They get away with everything. But we start to see... Um, we start to see the referee, you know, start to hand out cards a lot easier as we move through. And we'll go to minute 26, and this is absolutely ridiculous. After some nasty fouls, after some nasty tackles, we see a foul against Befico, which was, was a, a garbage call, okay? And then Otavio picks up the ball, Tarapt swats it out of his hands, and the referee gives both of them a yellow card, Okay. I had originally thought that Tarapt had reacted to some of Otavio's BS, some of his tactics. What he always does is childish little, uh, his little, you know, he eggs on players and his little just crap that he does that tries to get people to retaliate. I thought something like that had happened. All he did was knock the ball out of his hand because Otavio was, was wasting time. And the referee shows yellow cards to both of them. Otavio will get away with whatever he wants to do the rest of the match. This yellow card is is basically not even... Uh, it's just a gesture. Okay. 27th minute and... Odie going up for the ball at the corner of his box. Completely cleaned out from underneath by Tikinio Suarez. No attempt to play the ball. He just runs at him full speed. Awkward and clumsily. Loses his balance and takes him out. You know, legs first. Sends him in round. Of course, there's no booking for that either. Tikinio Suarez gets away with whatever he wants to. All right. 29th minute. Now we there is no foul on the play here. Luis Diaz is, is running at, at speed. Weigel goes in for the tackle, pulls back. There is absolutely no contact. Diaz goes down like he's been shot. And the moron, Suarez Diaz, pulls out the yellow card and gives Weigel a, a yellow card. There's no contact. Contact. You can read his lips. He says it right in English. I didn't even touch him. And he didn't. The VAR shows it. Of course, the, the commentary on Gold TV, very, very pro-Porto, very, very pro-Latin America because of the Latin American players. Of course, Gold TV calling the match in Spanish. And you best know that I, I did some, I did send a complaint to Gold TV about the very biased nature of their announced teams towards Porto and towards Latin players. Um, I know that's their audience, but you know what? A lot of their audience is us too. And um, they're really... they. They basically brush over the fact that there's no con- contact there. Um, and Julian Weigel goes into the referee's book, and that, and now he's conditioned. The both two of the center midfielders here now carrying yellow cards. Obviously, now you got to play on eggshells for the next hour. And this is just, this is just classic. This is 
classic refereeing when we go to that damn stadium. Okay, this is classic. As the free kick then is missed by Sergio Oliveira, he puts it right into the wall. All right, we move forward to the 33rd minute, and this is when Tecatito goes for the cross. Tarapt sliding in, attempting to block it. Yes, he catches it with his arm. His arm fully extended, but again, I've spent the last three, four hours between watching this game again, watching uh, analysis of the game, watching CMTV, and the referee experts all agreed on this one that this is not a yellow card, but Suarez Diaz makes a, a, a grave error in reaching for his pocket first before he really realizes it. And I, you can see him grab his ear as if someone is telling maybe the fourth referee that that is not a yellow card. FIFA has already said that this is not a yellow card in this circumstance, okay? It's a cross. He doesn't know where the ball's going to go. He's sliding feet first. His arm is in a slightly unnatural position. It's a handball for that reason. It is not a yellow card. You cannot send a player off for that. Between, between swatting a ball away, you know, while the play is dead, and then a, a handball like this. That would have been even worse, and and this couldn't have been a red card. I, uh, you know, a second yellow, so. But it is a dangerous free kick for uh, Porto, and the ensuing free kick, this is really where it gets absolutely uh, criminal, in my opinion. Okay, the cross comes in. As it's headed for for Tikinu Suarez, Tikinu Suarez on his way up uses his hand to shove Ferhu in the back, and he uses his left leg to also get a swipe at Ferhu, um, at, at Ferhu's leg. When you are in the air, I don't care how big or how small you are. If you're in the air, you're not on the ground, and you get a shove in the middle of your back, it's gonna throw your arms wherever. And it's it's not controllable. It's involuntary. And what Suarez does is he gets he gets Fehu to throw his arms due to the due to the contact and then heads the ball off of the back of his hand. Sure there's contact. If there wasn't a shove, a penalty all day. Okay? But clear shove. Okay. Suarez Diaz even says no at the time he waves it off. He says no, play on, Benfica break. Okay? Porto are caught out of position as Befica are breaking. And Tarapt with the ball on his right foot cuts inside and takes a close fist punch in the face from Pep. Pep runs at him and knocks him in the face. How this goes excused. The referee blows the whistle like it's a foul and then goes over to check the, the screen for VAR. He gives a penalty. Somehow, Tiquinho ends up with the yellow card for something in there. He doesn't do anything uh, on this one. He gets away with everything, but on this one, he sees a yellow card for some reason. Um, Pep gets away with, with with the punch in the face. No issue. Right in front of Suarez and the penalty kick goes to Alex Telsch. He goes left, the left-footed player hits it to his left. Odie guesses right but can't reach it. And it's 2-1 to one to Port. And I'm not convinced when I watch this replay, the camera didn't get enough of, a, of, uh, of an image. But I'm not even convinced that a Porto player doesn't impede into the box before that ball is kicked. It looked like he may have. Unfortunately, he goes off the screen in that corner of the box when watching it. And that, you know, the controversy just, just continues there. Um, Tikinu would have another effort at goal blocked. And 
and he would have a, a horrendous attempt at a cross a minute later as he would put it almost out of the stadium and then do the gesture with his hand like he was trying to curve it towards goal. Um, and then we get to the 43rd minute, and it's a ball from, I believe the ball was from Corona, as he played it into space for Marega, and this was the matchup I was afraid of. Marega gets in behind Ferru. Okay, he hasn't beat Ferru right now. I think he was, this was one of his worst games, no doubt. Volpone actually gave him a 2.5 rating, which is the lowest I have ever seen a rating in on goal point. But and he lost a n- number of balls, but... I think a, lo- a lot of what he was doing wrong came after that penalty kick was called against him. Um, the kid is, you know, it looks like mentally he's not as strong as we would need him to be. Hopefully this is something he can improve. But he was completely um, affected by that by that call because now Marega's getting in behind him. Before he was holding him up, he was playing him even. But Marega gets in behind him and gives a cross that, Beats Odie and then is going right for Tikin Suarez for the tap-in. But a last-ditch effort from Ruben Diaz. Um, he stretches his leg out and slides, trying to deflect it uh, away from goal. Unfortunately, he puts it out of Odie's reach and just inside the post. And Befica now down 3-1 to one right before halftime. And this was a devastating blow right before the half. As um, <laughs> Then... Hilarious. We close the half with a hilarious bit of refereeing, as PZ is is given a yellow card for a foul on Otavio of all people, the guy who fouls everybody, goes down, gets himself a, a yellow card, and I mean I could I I don't know how someone hasn't stepped on this guy's ACL by now. He does this in every game against every team. He's just a just a little pest. I don't know how someone hasn't taken it out on him at this point. And that takes us to halftime, and we'll take a break here, and we'll be right back with the second half, all right? There's still plenty more to talk about here on Mr. Benfica, episode 51. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu on Twitter at Benfica Mr., on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica, and of course, now at MrBenfica.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica. Let's get into the second half now. Um, Just a quick uh, recap of the first half. I think the biggest problem was exactly what most of us were afraid of. And Benfica's left side of the field was just an absolute freeway. It was all access for Porto. They were able to freely go up and down that, that side of the pitch. Their right side, our left. And I mean... Year, you know, season after season, we we hear about certain clubs being interested in Grimaldo. Uh, you know, we we heard about Pep Guardiola wanted to bring him to Man City some seasons ago. Le- guys, let's be real for a second. This match is exactly why Grimaldo is not going to Manchester City. There's this is exactly why he didn't stay at Barcelona. Why he didn't progress from Barcelona B to to. FC Barcelona's first team. Okay, the man 
for everything he can do going forward, he cannot defend when he needs to. He he looked horrible in that first half defending. Yeah, he's got he's got good ability going forward, but you know, there's only so many teams in the world that can afford to have a defender that can't defend. For 90% of the Portuguese league matches, that's fine. When we play in Europe and when we play against Porto, more specifically, and I'm very worried about Braga too, by the way. Um, they have some real firepower going forward, maybe more than Porto, to be honest, if they're clicking on all cylinders. We have a lot to worry about next week against Braga. But when you face those teams and they're going forward, you know, you got to have outside backs that can defend. And, you know, Andre Almeida can put in a, a garbage um, game going forward. But you know what? He he didn't get beat for any goals. When was the last time Andre Almeida was beat by, uh, by a wide player that resulted in us surrendering a goal, especially in a crucial game? In these big games, Andre Almeida does not hurt us, even if, if he doesn't play well. Okay. All three goals came from our left side, okay? They all came from crosses on our left side. No question about it, okay? It's Ferru and it's Grimaldo that were getting beat. And again, not to not to go back to to the lineup, but th- this is where I don't understand. I mean, I I guess I see what he was thinking, but I don't understand why he thought that was more crucial than protecting this left side of the field. Um Chervi should have played in this match, obviously. I mean, I'm beating a dead horse. But the fact that all three goals came from there. And Grimaldo was beat on two and Fejo on the other, okay? I mean, listen, I'm no, you know, I'm no expert in in the sense I never got to this level on any sidelines. You know, I, I watch football a lot. You know, I used to do some scouting, but I... I, I can't be the only one that saw this. All of you have seen it. And, you know, every preview of this match raised this question. I don't know why why this was ignored going into this match. But anyhow, Benfica find themselves in the hole 3-1 to one to start the second half. But, but Benfica get things started on the right foot as we have. It takes only... It takes only f- uh, four minutes. But before that, we have the, the very ugly tackle by uh, Marcano on Andre Almeida in his own half. We also have a tackle from Alex Telge also on Andre Almeida. Andre Almeida is taking an absolute beating as well in this match physically. They're just beating him up there. He he ends up limping off the field at the end. Um, But in the 49th minute on a nice play, we get the ball worked around, and Ruben Dias makes up for his own goal, which which I put no blame on him. And he sends a nice ball, like he has been able to do recently, into the box, finds Rafa. Rafa brings it down and does a nice little heel flick, or a outside-of-the-foot kind of flick, right onto Carlos Vinicius' left foot. Um, Pep overcommits on Vinicius. First he cheats towards Rafa, then he overcommits trying to get back onto Vinicius. Vinicius delays just a slight second and then fires a left-footed shot past him and out of Marquesin's reach and into the goal. It is to 3-2 now for Porto and Befica have drawn one back and at this point I think most of us were thinking that we were going to get back in this, that we were going we to get an equalizer here. Um, no reason to think not, however... Uh, Porto adjusts a little bit, but 
Um, in the 52nd minute, we see Pep with a miss. He has a left-footed shot from the center of the box that he misses right uh, on a headed pass from Ivan Marcano. Um, 55th minute, it's Luis Diaz winning another free kick, fouled by Andre Almeida. Um, Grimaldo is fouled a little after that by, by Tecatito. As we move forward and... A foul by Tarapt in the 61st minute. Portishas want a second yellow for that, of course. They never want to play against 11, the Portishas, that's for sure. Um, and then another disturbing, disturbing uh, moment here. As we have Sergio Oliveira with a, with a, a, sh a right-footed shot from outside the box. It hits off the left post but goes, but goes wide. Okay, Vlakodimuz then. Getting the ball is getting pelted with golf balls by the Super Dragoish. He's getting pelted with golf balls. What does Suarez Diaz do? Naturally, he gives he gives Vlakodimos a yellow card. The goalie that is losing is given a yellow card for time wasting or something, or for leaving the field to, to get rid of a golf ball that hit him. This is absolutely asinine. Okay? Absolutely asinine. And at 65 minutes, Bruno Lage has seen enough of Tarapt as, as it looks like he gets more and more out of it. Tarapt gets more and more foggy, um, and it becomes apparent that he can't continue. And Seferovic comes in for Tarapt, and now we got twin strikers up top. Shikinu dropping a little bit more into a traditional midfielder to have a more traditional 4 4 2. Um, and Seferovic has a chance with the right-footed shot from the center of the box. He misses just right on a pass from Carlos Vinicius in the 66th minute. And it leads to a corner. And on the corner, um, Sergio Conceição does what I think was his best coaching move of the match. And he he brings in Mabemba for Pep. Pep is limping, but honestly, if Pep stayed in, we were going to tie this game. I, I don't doubt it for a minute. Carlos Vinicius was doing what he wanted with him. And Mabemba comes in as the ensuing free kick leads to a call against uh, against Ruben Diaz in the box. Uh, he gets called for going over Marcano's back and danger averted for Porto. Uh, another foul called on Julian Weigel in the 70th. And that leads to a free kick that is saved by Odie off of Luis Diaz. Right-footed shot from the left side of the box. And it's saved in the bottom right corner. We move to the 73rd. And it's a, an attempt missed by Chiquinho. He has a good effort at goal. Uh, Right-footed shot. It's from the outside of the box. But he misses just to the left. Another setup from Carlos Vinicius. And people beating up on Chiquinho. But it wasn't his fault he was plugged into the starting lineup. And I think he actually had a better performance than he's had as of late. Considering all the different responsibilities he had to do. He had to play as a midfielder. People are judging him as if he was playing as a winger or as a forward. And he, he was actually supposed to be tucked in as a, cent a center midfielder. Um he has an assist on the goal, if you want to call it that. You know, his his shot is the one that forces the the rebound for the goal. He has a, a decent look at goal here, um, and he he just had you know the whole midfield was was discombobulated. It was it was disconnected. You when when you have a player who's not right running around in there, okay. And I, I'm not gonna hold this performance against Shikinu. He's had 
bad performances. He's had good performances. This one, I'm not going to hold against him. I think given what he was given to work with, I thought he gave, uh, on second look, I didn't see this the first time, but on second look, watching closer, I thought he gave a decent effort in this match. And we would see another substitution in the 75th minute now as I think... I believe that uh, Bruno Lage worried about uh, worried about Weigel carrying a yellow card. He brings on Samadish for Weigel. Samadish also brings a little more offensive, a little bit more of a pivot, a pivot, a pivot, and a little bit less of a holding mid because Benfica do have to go forward a little bit more in, at this stage. Um, so he partners now with Shikinu there in the middle and. Porto counter in the 80th. Wilson Manafa comes on to replace Marega, who barely can walk off the pitch. Uh, his job was done. He, you know, he uh, is responsible for the own goal, and he knocks Trapped out of the game with his with his swinging back fist. So he, he in a Portisha's eye, that's a that's a good game. That's what they call football. Um, 83rd minute, and Chiquinho will win another free kick in the defensive half and earn a yellow card for Sergio Oliveira. And Bruno Lage rolling the dice for the final time as Andre Almeida can no longer go. Andre Almeida is limping. And in the 84th minute, it is Diego Souza coming in for Andre Almeida. And Sergio Conceição, um, he counters by bringing in Vitinha for Otavio. And um, a yellow card is shown in the 85th also to Marquesin for time-wasting. Vitinha uh, has a left-footed shot in the 85th from outside the box, saved in the bottom left corner. Another good game from Odysseus in this one, and um, Wilson Manafa had set him up on that one. 86th now, and it's Mateo Zoribi, right-footed shot from outside the box, close but misses left. 89th minute, Benfica get a corner as Marcano puts it out. And this is where we see Bruno Lage go into the book as he's running onto the pitch trying to get get the players in order. And then he explains in the press conference what he was doing out there was with Andre Almeida off the pitch, you know, having come off. There was nobody for the, for the far post. And one thing I noticed in this match, and I don't know if this is a result of something they've seen from Porto or what it was, but whether it was... Uh, all set pieces, whether it was corner kicks, free kicks, okay. Befica, what they I at, watching the game live, I thought these were horrible services. But watching it the second time, I see what they were trying to do. They're they're trying to hit the ball to the far post where Ruben and Andre Almeida and Ferro are, and it looks like what their goal is not to put that on goal, but to bring that back across goal for the for these the forwards for the Carlos Vinicius and for maybe the smaller players in the box, the Rafas or the Pizis, and later on as Seferovic and Diego Souza come into the game. It looks like that became the thing, but it, it got all very predictable. And in this final final uh this final corner kick it just it didn't uh didn't manifest as it was it was cleared however uh we got a left-footed shot outside the box that was just too high from Grimaldo and with that the the match would go to the we'd go into the 90th minute this actually wasn't the corner kick I, I digress this wasn't the corner kick where Bruno Lage earned a yellow card but it um that would come later um, as Benfica would have a corner at 90 plus 6, okay, 90 plus 6, Benfica with the corner kick, 
And it was cleared originally, found its way to Rafa. Rafa has a shot from outside the box, but it's unfortunately blocked, conceded so for another corner by Vitinha. And uh, after this, uh, Porto deal with it. They clear it any way possible. And Suarez Diaz blows his whistle for full time. And we have a race in the league once again. As uh, this was a very disheartening defeat. It left me with real bad taste in my mouth. Especially the way that it went down. Yes, we did not play like a team that was going in there to win the league that day. Which we I thought we should have. Uh, we played like a team that knew it had a 7 point lead. Like a team that knew it had two big matches coming up this week. Um... And I really think we should have gone all or nothing in this match. Uh, or at least come out with, if we were going to play play for the draw. I don't think we played for the draw because, honestly, if Bruno Lage intended to play for the draw, you would have seen Samadish partner in midfield with Weigel. You would have seen Servi play. Cervi. You would have seen, you know, you would have seen different situations I don't think you would have seen Befica trying to play the ball around you would have seen them hitting it long keeping it away from our end uh, making Port build up out of the back I think Befica tried to play their game they just they were missing the intensity that's for sure you cannot go into Stadio de Ground without the intensity to match what those animals bring on the other side Okay, you have to be strong. You have to be fearless. And we went in with fear. Okay, and uh, Baquero, uh, the ho- one of the hosts of Benfica FM, Baquero, um, Felipe English, his real name, tweeted, and he says that it's appearing to him that last year was the anomaly. Um, but this is what Benfica is when they go into Stadio do Dragon. They go in intimidated. They go in with fear. They go in um, second guessing. They go in, you know, with that, without that killer instinct. And hopefully, you know. This this is just one game. We can't get too carried away here, okay? It stings, no doubt. Losing both games to Porto absolutely sucks, okay? We hate that. But if in the end we're the champions and they're not, I'm not going to give... I'm not going to care, you know, what games we won, what games we didn't. I'm going to care that we are the team that lifts the trophy at the end of the season. However, that said, we've got a real tough uh, run of matches coming up. Let me... Bring that up for you right now. Okay, we're going to go over the upcoming fixture congestion list. <laughs> Starts Tuesday, tomorrow, February the 11th. We got an away match, second leg of the Portuguese Cup semifinal against a fresh family cow. Not sure what Bruno Lage is going to do. He's going to have to make some changes. There's no way that he can roll out this 11 again. And... um Obviously, and I think injuries are gonna be a key. I believe I've already read that Andre Almeida is out for is out uh, injured, and Tomas Tavares will have to be called upon. Um, but it doesn't end on Tuesday because Saturday we've got Braga at home, and this is a team that I think offensively is more dangerous than Football Club do Porto. They're not as strong defensively, but they're more dangerous offensively. Um, I'm very concerned about that game. Ruben um, Amorim's got them playing well. The only little bit of, uh, I guess, you know, relaxation I get a little bit from is it's right before the Europa League because the following Thursday, Benfica have Shakhtar Donetsk and I believe Braga have Rangers. And I think Braga, you could see Braga resting some players and focusing on the Europa League um, 
although they did drop two points this week and they they dropped third place. They've dropped to fourth, but third and fourth right now is not that big of a difference um, this year because third place is not a Champions League spot this year. Next year it will be. Um, so you could see Braga uh, giving. Braga giving more importance to the Europa League. The Europa League comes with an automatic berth in the UEFA Champions League. And right now, that's Braga's only chance. They're not going to get to second place. So it could be that they prioritize that. I'm hoping that's the case. And I'm hoping that we can get three points next next Saturday. That's going to be crucial. If we get out of that match with three points and we have a lead, even if it's still four points coming out of that, I'll feel a lot better. Of course, Monday the the 24th, we travel all the way up north to Barcelos to play Gilles Vicente. That is also a worrisome fix, fixture for me. They already beat Porto. They, um, they've done well against Sporting. Uh, they were hard for us to beat. And I think a tired Benfica is going to have a very hard time in the north against Gilles Vicente. The only positive will be will be well supported up there. Um, but it's a smaller pitch, and it could be a very difficult fixture on a Monday. I hate those Monday fixtures. I cannot stress enough how much I hate those Monday fixtures. And then the following Thursday is the second leg. It's at home against Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, and that closes the month of February. Then the schedule gets a little bit lighter. Uh, as you get into March, we have Morirens, Stubal, Tondela and Portimonense in March gets a little bit lighter. Hopefully we can get there. If we can get through this month and keep this four-point lead, um, I think we're going to be in good shape after that. We'll, we'll regain some consistency, and we will put some pressure on Porto as well. Remember, Porto still basically have to go perfect the rest of the season. Don't, don't, um, don't, don't think for a second that, that we've already lost this lead. Porto have to go perfect the rest of the season. They're also in the Europa League. I don't know if they're going to tank out of that. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, they could they could run into some fatigue and some injuries as well. And they have tough matches starting off this weekend. Porto travel to Vitória Guimarães this weekend already. And they had a hard time with them. That was one of their other robbery victories earlier this season was at home to Vitória Guimarães. So um, we c- we'll see what happens, but I, I'm not going to get too down on this result. I'm not happy with the result, obviously, but I'm not going to get too down on it. This is a long season. There's a lot of games to play, a lot of rounds. we still got 14 rounds to go, and um, I think Benfica have the maturity and have the experience at this point to hold on to this lead. Um, and hopefully we can get some help from another team, but you know what? It's... It, Porto's going to have all the help in the world from these referees and from the VAR. There's no I've been saying this before and like it just it just gets proven in in matches like this one. They are going to the only reason they didn't beat Braga is because they missed two penalty kicks. The referees did everything they could to hand that game to them so that Benfica wouldn't open a 7-point lead. Imagine now if we hadn't have opened that 7-point lead and we're sitting here on a 1-point lead. Fortunately, that's not the case. We've got a 4-point lead. Okay, um, which is really three and a half, but because if it's uh, the draw, if we end up level on points with Porto, the advantage will go to them due to the head-to-head. But we should be able to hold a three-point lead even um, going forward, and 
every match on Porto is going to have increased pressure. They can't drop points. Yes, we're going to have pressure as well, but I think Porto are going to have added pressure. They're going into this weekend. We play first, so we have the opportunity to put even more pressure on them as they will play second, and we can hope that um, we can you know, make them a little bit nervous. And Vitória Guimarães are a good team, and they're as good as any any bet to take points from Porto. Um, but that really that sums up this game. Let's go to the player ratings now. We're gonna go to the goal point. I'm gonna do side by side on this one: goal point and fought mob ratings because there are very very big discrepancies you know, between the two uh, rating systems. And I haven't been the happiest with goal point. Recently, I think they got a lot of good statistics in there, but I think the algorithm's a little off when it when it uh, gives the final rating. Not everything, uh, not everything can be explained through through uh, statistics necessarily, and they can be and statistics can be misleading, of course. Um, and these ratings can be misleading because Ruben, Di- Ruben Diaz had a good game, but his rating is going to be affected by the own goal. But let's go to it now as I have the goal point rating up and I have the FUP mob rating up right next to it. So we'll start with Porto. Marquezine earns a 5.0 on goal point and a 6.0 on FUP mob. Tecatito has a 7.0 on goal point, 7.7 on FUP mob. Pep with a 4.3 on, on goal point. That's closer to where I rated him. Uh, Fat Mob gave him a 5.8. Marcano with a 6.0 uh, from from goal point and a 6.9 on Fat Mob. Alex Telsch 7.0 uh, on goal point, 7.9 on Fat Mob. And you can see that the, the goal point has lower ratings for the most part. However, the one... Um, the one anomaly in that, or I should say the one difference in that is going to be one of the Porto players. And and actually, you know, it still holds true that it's a lower rating on, on, on goal point. But as we move through the midfield, Otavio gets a 5.9 on goal point. He gets a 7.6 on Fought Mob. That tells you two completely different stories. I would love to see what the exact information is that's used to determine those two very different ratings. Uribe, 5.7 on goal point, 6.2 on Fat Mob. Sergio Oliveira, 8.2 and a man of the match performance on goal point. Uh, 8.7 on Fat Mob, but he's not the man of the match on Fat Mob. Um, Luis Diaz, 7.5 on, on Fat Mob and 5.8 on, on goal point. Again, two very different ratings. I thought Luis Diaz was okay. I didn't think he was very dangerous other than earning a few yellow cards. Um, one that was completely undeserved to Julian Weigel. Uh, Tiquinho Suarez with a 4.7 um, on on goal point and a 5.9 on on Fought Mob. And Marega, here's one of the Marega with a 4.5 on goal point, which I think is wrong. Marega had a major role in this game. Um, he was rated 6.3 on Fought Mob, so I think that <laughs> you know we're starting to see maybe some of the uh, deficiencies in some of this technology. But now for Benfica, Fought Mob has Vlakodimus 5.2. Sorry, goal point has Vlakodimus 5.2. Fatmov has a 5.9. Almeida, 
4.8 on goal point, uh, 5.5 on fought mob. Ruben is a 4.5 on goal point and a 4.6 on fought mob. Again, of course, he has that own goal, which which severely affects uh, that rating. Ferru with the lowest rating I think I have ever seen on goal point, 2.5. On fought mob, they got him at 4.3. Grimaldo's a 4.3 on goal point and a 5.6 on fought mob. Rafa only a 4.9 on on goal point, and I think that's unjust. He had an assist, and he had a second assist, if you will. He had a cross that ended up in a goal. Um, he didn't have – he wasn't himself per se, but he, he really um, – he still was one of Benfica's better players, and he created you know some of the few opportunities we had. I think that the FOTMOB rating is much more accurate and much more uh, – Tells a much more accurate story of what went on as they gave him a 6.5. Terapt earns a 3.8 on goal point. Um, and I don't... Here's another discrepancy because on Fault Mob he got a 6.0. Big, big difference. I would love, again, to see what the difference is that makes these two ratings so vastly different. Uh, PZ was a 4.7 on goal point as he was a 6.3 on Fault Mob. Uh, Weigel 4.5 and 6.3 again very different Shikinyu earning a pretty good rating of 6.7 on Fought Mob and 5.3 on Goal Point um, actually Shikinyu got one of the higher ratings on Benfica besides he's the second highest rated player in the match behind Vinicius so there you go everybody's beating up on him but uh, he got good ratings on both on both uh, rating systems I don't think Shikinyu was all that bad. He just didn't do what, what people wanted him to do, perhaps. But uh, he did what he can do. And I think he brought something to the game. It just wasn't the right option for the team on the day. And Carlos Vinicius, 6.4 on goal point despite scoring two goals. But he earns a 8.9 and a man of the match uh, rating on Fought Mob. We go to the statistics now. Total shots, Porto had 17, Benfica 9. Shots on goal, Benfica 4. Sorry, Porto 4, Benfica 3. Shots from inside the area, 11 for Porto, 6 for Benfica. Total passes, Porto had 306 passes, whereas Benfica had 399 passes for an efficiency rating of 77.8% for Porto to 80.5% for Benfica. Benfica winning that statistic. Um, the vertical pass... Porto still more effective. It's more their game. 59.3% to 57.6%. Possession, Benfica won that battle. Of course, it was a lot of it in the middle third and away from the goal. But a 56% possession to Benfica. 43.9% possession to Porto. Neither team was offside according to goal point, which is mind-blowing. That's puzzling. Foul. This is what's hilarious to me. The stat that really is hilarious. The t one team is overly aggressive. The other team's was overly timid, and the overly aggressive Porto comes in with only twelve fouls, while Benfica get called for nineteen. This is a sign of the way this game was called, and I think that stat directly affects this stat. Where in duels won, Porto won sixty-seven duels to Benfica's forty-eight. Of course. Porto won a lot of them by committing fouls that were not called. Four corner kicks to each team. 15 crosses for Porto. 10 for Benfica. 
And I think that's going to close the book on this Classico. Um, this is one to forget, surely. But uh, life goes on and the season goes on. Got a big game in about 24 hours' time now uh, on the road at Fumalico in the the Portuguese Cup second leg. Okay, And let's go into the the standings now. And we'll go to the table. And Befica, still the leaders, 18 wins, 2 defeats. They have 54 points. Porto are second, 4 points back with 50 points, 16 wins, 2 draws, 2 defeats. Sporting are third once again after their victory. They got 11 victories, 2, de- two draws, and 7 defeats. Braga, two, 1 point behind them with 10 victories, 4 draws, and 6 defeats. Fumalicão and Rio Ave are sharing 5th and 6th place right now. Fumalicão slightly, uh, they're ahead on the, I believe, on the head-to-head because they're behind on goal difference. Um, Fumalicão 5th, Rio Ave 6th, 7th now is Boa Vista as they also have the head-to-head on Vitória Guimarães, um, each team with 28 points. Santa Clara is 9th with 26th, Stubal also with 26th and 10th. Tondela, 24 and 11th. Gil Vicente is 12th with 23 points. Moreirense, 22 points and 13th. Maritimo is 14th with 21 points. Code City Blues, now managed by Petit. Bulanis Saad, 15th place, 18 points. And they are still 4 points from the drop zone. Pas Ferreira is in 16th with 16 points. And right now in the relegation zone, Portimonense with 14 points. And last place is Nuno Manta Santos. Desportivo das Aves. Only four points from safety, though, with 12 points. Player statistics now. And Carlos Vinicius takes over the lead uh, for goals. He's got 14. Pizzi has 12. Paulinho, 9. Sandro Lima and Bruno Fernandes with eight, and then a whole slew of guys with seven. That now also includes Alex Telsch. Uh, assists still belongs to Pizzi. He's got eight. Bruno Fernandes, seven. No longer in the league, obviously. Tecatito Corona with seven. Grimaldo with six. Alex Telsch with five. And then a whole bunch of other players with five. Let's go to next week's fixtures. As we go to round 21 of the Liga Nage. And it starts Friday in Stubal. It will be Vitoria Stubal, Gil Vicente. Saturday, we got Portimonense, Moreirense, Santa Clara Tondela, Benfica Braga, Rio Ave Sporting. Sunday, we got Boavista, Belenense, Sad, Maritimo, Passos Ferreira. Big one on Sunday, Vitoria Guimarães, Futebol Clube do Porto. And then Famalicão, Desportivo das Aves. And that closes round 21. And that closes episode 51. I'm sure there was a lot I wanted to say that I didn't get off my chest, but that's okay. Uh, We've gone pretty long now. And uh, I think we've all had enough of this match, to be honest with you. I do hope to see Befica solidify this team a little bit. Ferru's either hurt, tired, or just frustrated, and I think Ferru needs a break. I would like, I wouldn't mind seeing Samadish play a match at center back just to give Ferru a day off and maybe recollect himself. But he needs his teammates right now to pick him up. Um, I think 
there's a good chance the manager's just going to trust him and ride him through and hope that things can turn around. It only takes one good match to turn things around. He's a good player. He's a good defender. Literally, I think he only needs one solid good performance to regain his confidence and to get back to the fair we were, we were used to. Um, hopefully, Cherty is back in the lineup. I think that that left side becomes far too uh, exposed without him there. Um I think that uh, I don't know what Tarap's status is for Tuesday. Um, I haven't seen anything yet, but if if he's out and Gabriel is still out, I think you got to go with Chiquinho and Weigel in the middle, and you go with with Chervi and PZ wide, and then up front. I I would keep riding with with Rafa and Vinicius. I think we got to get them through these two matches, and if you have to sit them in the first leg in the Ukraine, well, that's where you're going to have to rest somebody. I know that doesn't make everybody happy. People want a European title, but we're far too far away from the final right now, and if something's got to give, I think giving someone a rest and not forcing them to travel all the way to the Ukraine is a good start. Because uh, you still have the second leg at home in which you can turn it around uh, against Shakhtar. So we'll see what happens going forward. But hopefully uh, we get a good result in Family Count tomorrow. And we punch our ticket to the final. We get to the final of the cup and we probably got another meeting with these guys. A chance to make it right. And I also won't be surprised if we can get through this round um, in the Europa League. If we don't find Football Club Report in the Europa League at some point. I think it, it seems to be bound to happen and um, we're going to get another crack at them. So I think one way or another we're going to get another crack at them. So let's keep the faith, guys. Let's not jump off of the deep end yet, okay? We've got 14 matches in the league. We've got a cup semifinal. We're getting ready for the Europa League. There's a lot of football to play. There's still a lot that can that can be won this season. And this is not the same as it was in August. In August, we got punched in the mouth. We came out looking bad. This time, we we fought back. This time, we come out of this game with some positives. This was a much different, much different um, game than the one we had in August. And um, I think that's a little bit more promising. And I do have confidence in this staff, in this in this this. Uh, roster to to turn this thing and to write this ship we typically do well after a loss Befica's best games have come after losses under Bruno Lage under his two you know he's had two losses with with Befica in the league and they have done well coming off of those losses so I have every every reason to believe it'll be the same going forward so that wraps it up here um, don't forget again to send a DM to to Michelle at Footballer Training. That's on Instagram at Footballer Training. F U T B L R T R A I N I N G at Football Training. If you're looking for some additional training and you're in the Massachusetts area, uh, give her a shout and see what you can what she can do for you. All right, thank you everybody. Let's do this, okay? Let's keep believing because hashtag We Are Benfica. Let's do this. Hashtag Pelo Benfica Tamu 38 See you next time everybody Cajaga Benfica
Vitória bem fica, todo mundo vai cantar Bem fica, vai pegar 